This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths. Enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. When my mother passed, I ended up reorganizing my life and left a high-paying but high-stress position for an investment and passion project. I was quickly rewarded by the universe and affirmed that this was the right choice. Eric. Valeria interviews Eric Carter Spurio. He is a husband, father, online business consultant, fly fishing guide, and spiritual seeker. He has been helping companies as well as personal brands with their online presence for nearly 15 years. His last major project in the field consisted of helping a small art collective out of Santa Fe, New Mexico, go from debt to a $0.5 billion valuation in approximately three years' time. Eric has spent thousands of hours in meditation and considers his spiritual fervor his greatest asset. Meet Eric at anchorfly.com. Here's the interview with Eric Carter Spurio. In your own words, who is Eric Carter Spario? <laughs> Ooh, right off the bat. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this is a, I am a father, a husband. I am in the workforce. Um, I'm a fly fishing guide. Um, but that's the human aspect, but we're all human beings. So mm-hmm. I am is very powerful to me because... There is a witness quality that is with me always. And so I'm human, but I'm also being. And so I'm Eric Carter, but I'm also pure being. I love that, (laughs) the awareness of that. So Mm. I am pure being, a human being. How did you come to this understanding of yourself, Eric? Ooh, (laughs) so... uh, Back in 2001, I had an opportunity to live in Hawaii. It was fantastic. I turned 21 there. Uh, It was basically like a two-year vacation. It was very free. The environment was incredibly nourishing. And I was having a lot of spiritual fervor, as I called it. I read The Way of a Peaceful Warrior by Dan Millman, and it just unlocked all of this passion, all of this seeking and I didn't even know what I was seeking but I was seeking it and that was the start of it for me you know I ended up going I don't want to jump ahead of the interview here but I mean I I ended up going to a university that uh, really nurtured the spiritual side so it incorporated vegetarian food Mm. uh, meditation into the curriculum even I learned to read Sanskrit And all of those things collectively kind of helped me to answer a question I didn't even know 
I was asking in the first place. And so, yeah. Yeah, I have lots of questions here for you about <laughs> that, um, all that. I think the first one is, what's the goal or what are the manifestations of of that knowing? If there is such a thing as knowing but not knowing at the same time what we are, how could that be manifested in this reality through our human experience, Eric? I mean, for me, I think it happened quite naturally, like I said, that fervor um, was the drive and there was no stopping it. It's like a wave that is cresting and about to kind of come back to the surface of the ocean. You cannot stop it. Mm, And um, so I would say that, that it kind of, it's like the cell unfolding itself to itself through me. You know, definitely I practice meditation and I was so ripe for this knowledge that, I mean, I practiced meditation for thousands of hours over a period of of five years. And that was natural to me. It wasn't forced. It wasn't like that was my, you know, passion at the time. And so with all of that, it's like, that is how it came to be, you know, and the experience of pure being in myself was a result of that. And it didn't, you know, it didn't come really together fully for me on a knowledge level, on an intellectual level for quite some time into, into that process. Yeah. I hear you're saying the, how you got closer to that knowledge or to experience That's what I want to hear a little bit more, Eric, if you don't mind. So the question really is, what are the benefits of enlightenment? If this is enlightenment, knowing, see, I I reframed to say knowing because it can't be known, not with the intellectual mind, not with the mind, though, because the mind appears in it. So it's not really something that we can, it's not an object. So it's the subject. Staying with that idea that's the subject that can be realized can be noticed what are the benefits like what have you have you experienced from realizing the self or the feeling of enlightenment i don't really talk about enlightenment because i think there's so many definitions of that and my personal definition of that like i haven't actually achieved that but i think the uh the benefits of knowing myself as an infinite eternal being as the source course and goal of creation are just absolutely, you know, myriad. I mean, practically, I will say physiologically, I feel less stress in my body when I can call in or recall my own being because it's not like once it's achieved it's just done you know like there's every minute of every day each moment is its own entity is an entity in and of itself and each moment is its own intelligence and so you know like I'll forget you know I'll be caught up in racing around with my responsibilities and to-do lists and then all of a sudden it's like oh (laughs) yeah let's (laughs) let's like I don't need to be like caught up in this stress or I can I can still be doing what I'm doing but it's like I'm doing it from a different framework 
And so I think stress is a big one because when I am present, it doesn't matter what I'm doing, there's less stress. And, and with less stress comes more creativity and more joy. I would say a short answer is less stress, more creativity and more joy. Yeah, that would be my short answer for that one. Yeah, and that resonates true to me. So you mentioned that enlightenment is just um, a word, something um, it's, you reframe even to define what that is. But we hear that a lot. Self-realization, God-realization, enlightenment. I'm sure there are different words. And spirituality, that word in itself. What do you call, do you have actually a label for this pure consciousness or pure being that you know you are? So I studied under Maharshi Mahesh Yogi. And for me, the way that he laid out what you're talking about, absolutely brilliant. It's like this knowledge comes via experience and intellect. So it's like two paths to the same destination. And he talked a lot about waking seven states of consciousness. So it's like waking, sleeping and dreaming, which everybody experiences. But then he talked about our cosmic consciousness, God consciousness and unity consciousness. And without like going into all of that, I would say self-realization is like that. The first step, like realizing that my sense of self, my personal identity is not limited to this body, this world of form where I'm born into this world and I die. You know, it's like very point value. Again, it's like the ocean, you know, it's like if I rise out of the ocean and I'm a wave and I live however many years I live as a wave and then I come back down to the ocean, it's like realizing that I am all of the ocean, even as I'm enjoying like this weight, this ride on this life as a wave. And so to me, self-realization is realizing through experience that who I am is completely infinite and is connected to the source of everything. So that to me is self-realization. You wouldn't use the word enlightenment. Is that because you learned that way? Well, because, yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't use the word enlightenment because like Marsh, the knowledge that that my experience is that like life is structured, it kind of unfolds in layers. And so self-realization, there's a lot less stress on my nervous system. I'm completely living life from a different place and there's still more growth to happen. Like when I was at the university that I went to and I was, you know, meditating and just reading Sanskrit and like living this very monastic lifestyle. I had these deep experiences of color and like richness and like wholeness, like moving within itself. And for me, those experiences, like those are closer to what I would call enlightenment. It's so for me, there's still more refinement that is possible and that will happen as it happens. But yeah, I think witnessing like that wakeful quality of pure consciousness, of awareness, 
all the time, 24 hours. So I'm more aligned with that lively intelligence than I am my own body. And like, even at night, like if I was fully enlightened, I, I believe that like my body would rest, but my mind, my, there would be, I would be witnessing myself sleep. Like, so there would be, a, you know what I mean? Anyway, I, I feel like I might be losing you here a little bit, but to me, there's more refinement that happens after self-realization um, to like encompass like a fully enlightened potential of like the nervous system. Oh, I see. So enlightenment sounds like um, there is a transformation of not just the, the intellect, the knowing, the acknowledgement, the realization of who we are, that infinite being, but also, it seems to me, from what you're saying, it also has to do with transforming, almost like changing the DNA, where we are transformed in every level. I heard that way before, and it sounds like a destination to me in a way. Each cell of, of our bodies, uh, they changed, they transformed into this, um, it's almost like self-knowing light or whatever name we want to call it. I do know that has to do with changing the cells at the biological level. Change occurs there too. And you probably have met somebody like that. Um, Maharaji, your teacher, and it's so many others that I have heard about. It's the ones that I follow too. But I never met them in person. I know that they existed. But this is not something that, um, that doesn't need to happen, right, Eric, from your perspective in order to become liberated and have those experienced those benefits that you mentioned earlier of calmness, right. right? Of harmony. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. To be liberated, like one is liberated once they, you know, experience themselves as boundless. There are no, no boundaries. You know, the only boundaries are those that we kind of create for ourselves it sounds like it becomes a practice in a way, self-realization, the way you speak. And I have talked to so many people about that. And that's what I also witnessed. And I see that they are doing. They are constantly engaging in practices such as meditation, karma, yoga, dharma, they, the work they do, the service that they offer. So I see a lot of the actions related to that knowledge. So self-realization, it's a practice. I mean, it's a practice of that knowledge almost like the integration of that knowledge into the human experience. Would that be it? I would say the integration of that knowledge into the human experience is closer to my experience than having that self-realization be a practice because for me, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for right. me, um, really it kind of happened spontaneously through uh experience of meditation and then studying like the vedic literature um so like intellectually even like conversations like this so like you basically from meditating and then when i'm out of meditation i'm having conversations like this it's Bye. stimulating my nervous the meditation is really kind of working on my nervous system and then I come out into activity and then I'm having conversations like this that is is kind of spurring my intellect or I'm studying like Vedic literature or reading Sanskrit so it's like 
experience and understanding creates that experience of self-realization and I think growth in higher states of consciousness and ultimately uh, life Um, enlightenment. Yes, and I have also heard of people who have realized the truth per se that way, which I have I have to say without any, let's say, reservation, that uh, they realize the truth and then they don't actually engage in actions. I mean, they do. We have to do something here. But it's in a sense of just being very joyful and um, kind of uh, light <laughs> and playful with everything. It's not taking any of this seriously, the human experience seriously. So they don't really engage in doing something to help others. They already realize that the other do not exist in that in that sense that we are we are everywhere and and the other is you. So there's no really this uh, desire, um, this passion to help others or to be in nature or to do anything like that. This it goes away, and they are just kind of um, present, but within that deep knowledge that they already are. So there's nothing to to do, to say, to fulfill, to add. It's just here already. Everything that we're looking for, it's interestingly, it's already here. It's not out there. But there's, um, when you speak of action, doing has been my, also, let's say, it has to, to do with karma, I believe. So it's mm. people like myself, um, perhaps you too. There's something about service that really um, makes us, the body-mind complex, feel more integrated to it. It's almost part of it. Of course, we everything is, there's no separation, but there's that perception of separation. So the body-mind complex kind of um, feel better in a way when it's engaging in conversations like this or serving others and all that. I believe that's almost like a, the body-mind complex serving itself. So it now merge with life itself. That's what it feels like, doesn't it, Eric? That's what it feels like to me. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, it reminds me of, are you familiar with Ama? Yes, yeah, the hugging, yes, <laughs> yes. The hugging thing, <laughs> yeah. yeah. She, <laughs> yeah. she talks a lot about service. And, you know, with all of these things, I don't think it's like black and white. I don't think, because when I think of service, I think of like volunteering or like, you know, homeless shelter, like, yeah. you know. Mm. But, I mean, I think. That the service is, I think, unique to the individual and their karma. Like recently, I've been really getting back into yoga and exercise in my physical body. And I've come across some exercise of this thing called foundation training, which has really helped my back. But it's also just like really created so much body awareness. And it's been Mm. really, really profound. Mm. And to me, that feels like service. As strange as it is to say, it feels like, like, because I I don't know. I don't know. It, It feels like it's like playing an integral part in human evolution by evolving my own physiology. And it's something that like, oh, I could choose to do or to not do. And I feel so much better when I like so, so much better. I feel super connected and profound insights. I feel very aligned when I do my, my self-care with my physiology. And in a way to me like that, there's no greater service that I could do. It feels like on a certain level than 
than that, you know. Mm. Yes, I never heard it that way. I never said that way. I never mentioned this here or to myself before. Yeah, service to the body-mind complex. They are together in this uh, realm of separation. So that makes a lot of sense, Eric, what you just said. So the more we engage in activities that will evolve the, um, I call it the um, the separated wholeness, body-mind, mm. then, I mean, that makes sense that the next time we come here, the subtle body just leave this, um, the body-mind physical complex, then it will perhaps reincarnate, migrate to another body, but in bring that information. So that will already be there. We'll probably be born much calmer <laughs> from the get-go <laughs> and <laughs> relaxed about everything else, what's happening here. That's It's okay. You know, there's a dance. They, they are going back here in this dance. I remember saying that to myself, and I often say on the podcast, I, when I was about seven, six years old, I remember looking at myself in the mirror and saying, oh, you're back here in a female body this time. Mm, I love that. Isn't it interesting? How how do you remember these things? But I mean, it's, it's see, but remember not remembering at the same time because I I don't remember any past lives. Although I have done a lot of meditation and have seen a lot of the, which could have been lifetimes, but it's something that for some reason I'm not interested in this one in this lifetime per se, <laughs> in past lives. Have you had the experience through meditation? Not of, of past lives. No, I, I will say that what kind of triggered that response in me when you were talking about being young and having that just profound insight was there when I was probably like four or five years old, somehow there was this poster that my mom bought me and put on my door. And I don't remember. It was like a poem, but it just that the title was I am. And then it was like this poem and I, I don't, I should actually go and look that up and see if I can like find what that was. But I remember having like this very profound insight, even at this age, like I am me. And I told my mom, I'm like, mom, I am me. <laughs> and she's yeah. like, yes, yes, sweetie. Yes, sweetie. You are. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 you're not getting it. Like I am me. Like, I don't know. It was, uh, yeah, it was <laughs> hard to explain, but it was like definitely some recollection of previous knowledge before this lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. I got goosebumps, though, by you saying that. So that's almost like a confirmation of that, too. Yeah, it sounds almost like surreal for the mind. It's interesting how the mind is very, it's almost blocks any kind of uh, reality that's not perceived as the physical one. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Blocks and like, oh, no, that's just a, I know we were just talking about this. It might be just, it's just a conversation, but it's not real. <laughs> it's not true. But then the body, I feel in the body. And a lot of times after these conversations here, I have um, visions when I sleep at night and then I have these beautiful visions. So it's another confirmation. It's almost like this overarching reality it's kind of community. I mean, it's here all the time. So it, um, it's just superimposed by the physical reality, but it's always trying to communicate. I can hear it. It's amazing. I mean, I can hear it in your voice <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. And not just the words, but the way you speak. These days. Talk to me about meditation for a moment, Eric. 
the kind of meditation that you engaged in and also why so many kinds of meditation and what is the meditation? Yeah, I don't have a ton of experience with different kinds of meditation. I was fortunate enough to kind of fall into one type of meditation, which for me was transcendental meditation. And literally it produced a result or a conclusion or an insight or whatever you want to say that I didn't need any other meditation, you know? And so I didn't explore a ton with different techniques and and whatnot. I, I can talk about transcendental meditation because that's what I know, I think that, you know, you're talking about the mind kind of getting in the way. Yes. And um, that's totally my experience, too, is like, like we're born into this world with all these impressions and conditions. And like a lot of it is like survival. It's like, how am I going to make enough money to survive? And and the mind is just constantly racing. And meditation is, for me, a vehicle to the transcendent it's a vehicle to sink underneath all of that activity and then be with that and then slowly start to bring that into activity so that that is more prominent hopefully than these impressions in like this this world of of form and just kind of man-made laws and all of these things you know so quite simply meditation for me is a vehicle to our source with the intention of bringing that source into activity where where it wasn't previously right yeah that Mm -hmm. resonates very true so it is a tool and then do we need to meditate once we have in your case, you have realized pure consciousness. Why is there a need to continue to meditate for some of us? That's a really beautiful question. And I actually have gone down different paths in regards to this. I guess first I will say is like, my answer may not be your answer. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when you yeah. say do do we need to meditate? Right. Like I have no idea. I <laughs> yes. only know what, what I need, you know? <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> and I will say that in the thick of these, this kind of five to seven year deep dive for me, like this really monastic lifestyle, it was like this really inward stroke. And then I kind of came out and, and started to just engage a lot more and then started to make money and started to do these things in the world. And it was like self-realization doesn't go away. You know, once the self is realized, I mean, and you don't need, I don't even have to realize the self for it to be, I mean, it is what it is. It's the only thing there is, but it's like consciously realizing it. And then Well, then it's like, okay, there is nowhere to go, you know, like, why do I need to meditate anymore? Because like, I already know my nature, but to me only just in the last couple of years, I'm kind of being vulnerable with myself because I mean, I definitely thought that and believed that and and, and on a, on one level, it's true. You know, there's nothing else to really discover, you know, but 
I will say that when I meditate, I get something that I don't when I don't meditate. Like it's a time to something is like being infused. Like I can feel it. It's uh, something is happening. And even though I, you know, understand and have experienced my true nature, I still feel that it's very important to meditate. And like I said, I, I truly believe that like this quality gets infused deeper and deeper to the point where who I am literally experientially in this moment is not separate from anything outside of me, you know? Uh, so it's one thing to know uh, who I am is infinite, but it's, it's another thing to start to realize like, wait a minute, you are also me. This, you know, phone I'm looking at is, is also me on some level. And that for me is, I have experienced that, but it's not such a deep experience that it's, uh, my everyday experience. You know what I mean? And I think, I think meditation would help to keep me on that trajectory, you know? Mm. Yes. And that's why, yeah, I hear a lot about the benefits of practices. So, and I heard something interesting, I think it was from a Swami, a Vedantic, um, Vedantic teacher. He talked about, um, when somebody asked him that question, I think he talked about gold, that, you know, it, it will be shiny. You can't get it to be very shiny, but then to keep it shiny, you have to polish it once in a while. And if you do it every day, so even the much better. Well, that resonates a lot with me because there was a time in my life where I've had like flashier experiences where when I'm having them, they feel very natural and but they're so beautiful. And, and I'm just like, okay, this is me. Like this can't ever go away. But then it kind of does go away. And it's like, it's also been described to me. It's like walking in a forest. And the sun is about to set and you're just seeing the sun through the trees and it's just so beautiful. And that same moment happening, but your back is turned and you're like not really seeing it. And so I just I think that the world and how we perceive it, you know, it, it can be refined and we can open up towards more joy, you know, and it's however, I think meditation for me is a path to being able to feel more joy in my daily life. Mm. Yes, that sounds wonderful. And when I hear that from you, what I also hear is that being joyful, it's not just for you, but you're passing that on. So that's a transmission of that joy too. It's being exercised. So it, that's a, a beautiful thing. So it's interesting to know, to notice that by wanting something for ourselves, desiring to bring or to, let's say, to let the sun shine, as you mentioned, I love the metaphor of the sun. It's actually, it's good for everyone, for everything. It might, sometimes it sounds selfish when we think about, yeah, I'm doing this for me. But when we look at it, it's really, it's such a beautiful thing. Because its sun is shining here, but it shines also everywhere. This, like the sun itself, right? It shines for everyone. I love this point, you know, because we're talking self, it's selfish, uh, right? Yes. Right? It's <laughs> yes. selfish. <laughs> yes. And like somehow we're taught that that's like bad. 
but like nothing is yeah i i mean i believe that taking care of ourselves is the best thing we can do for humanity yeah and, and to me that that is service too it's like if you know meditation i i believe is also is one of like the highest levels of service that we could do as humans i mean i just I feel like that. So. Yeah, and but. it is. I, I don't meditate as much these days, although I do a lot of uh, contemplation, uh, work, and reading. My main interest is Vedanta. So I'm always reflecting upon that. I, I often kind of stop. And I do a lot of these conversations. I have a lot of them here. So they keep me in the moment and kind of focused on that sun <laughs> of that light. But um, meditation... For some reason, it I have done it a lot, but it's not a, a calling these days. So it's yeah, it's more contemplation and um, yeah, it's a, it's a different kind of a <laughs> practice. But it feels like a meditation. It really does. Well, that's it. You know, like <laughs> meditation, like I was talking about, and it's it's a vehicle to our being, to ourself, to like that transcendent space. And so, if you're achieving that through other means, like these conversations. For example, right now, talking with you, I am 100% transcending. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and yeah, so there yeah. really is, you know, I mean, one could say that, you know, if you measure, well, I don't know, I won't get into the science and start comparing this conversation to actual eyes closed, like for my say mantra meditation, right. but you hear what I'm saying. Yes, it's like, yeah. we can't uh, get too caught up in, in the, uh, mm, yeah, the language of it all, because it's mm. like, if we're experiencing the self, we're sharing the deepest kind of aspect, we're super present, you know, yeah, I mean, that is very, very, very powerful. Yeah, and, and it feels like, it. oh, Eric, before, I actually have all the questions here for you, but before that, I also want to hear from you the transition. I know uh, I, I have it here. It's part of, I think it's in your bio. There was an email that you sent to me. It said, it took me an orthodox life career path uh, when my mother passed away a couple of years ago. So I would love to hear about that, or we would love to hear more about that. Uh, life transformations due to spiritual insights. Yeah. So in 2019, my mom passed away. We, me and my wife and I moved her to our home to kind of care for her as she was getting closer to her transition. And it was a very stressful time in my life. At that time, I was really working in a very fast paced kind of environment and I just took the leap to use my skill sets and invest my time and resources into trying to basically build a way to make ends meet without, you know, being super stressed in this fast paced environment. It was super, it was very, very scary, but I ended up doing it and it ended up being the right decision. I started a fly fishing company. Um, it's a guide service here in Western North Carolina and an, and an online educational platform. Um, I'm very passionate about fly fishing. I love nature. And 
you know, I took the leap and it ended up being great. And so it's like, there's, I'm just always reminded of that. It's like a Chinese proverb. It's like walk and the path will unfold, you know? Um, and it's so hard to have that faith, but I mean, really choosing that courage and, and choosing in my instant, it, it turned out to be fantastic and I wouldn't change it for the world. Mm. Yes. And I can hear in your voice. <laughs> and I love that, that you, mm. you took that chance, which is not really, it's trust, isn't it? I have to go back to the word trust. And then when you say that, I love this concept of trust. So we are trusting ourselves, right, Eric? Is that what it is? Because most people who listen to this conversation, they will probably kind of ask, uh, what aspect of myself am I trusting? That pure consciousness that so many talk about and I, so many people cannot experience. They still, it has been blocked. It's, it's still covered. So I guess the question, it goes back to meditation. Is that meditation your um, best advice or suggestion when it comes to uncovering pure consciousness so we can have more trust? <laughs> Yeah, that's a kind of a um, complex, I feel, question in my experience is because we're talking about trusting our inner kind of inner wisdom, inner calling. And so there's like intuition there. There's, yeah, I feel to kind of simplify it, it's like if there is a possibility of favoring what brings us joy, um, I think that it's, it's very much worth the risk to go down that path or explore that path. Obviously there are so many, so many situations, you know, and I'm not saying that like, you know, a parent of, three kids should, you know, quit their job and start writing a novel. Maybe, maybe, sure, you know, but I'm, I'm, yeah, I think that what I will say is that at those times, there's been like a handful of times in my life where I, I've had the, the fork in the road and it's like one fork looks like more money. It looks like, you know, more success, quote unquote, in like our culture. It's like the path that probably my dad would be ecstatic to say, oh, my God, you know, my son did this and he's this and he's the blah, blah, blah of this company or whatever. And then there's this other path that it feels more joyful. It feels less stressful. It feels really that it feels more joyful and less stressful, you know? And for me, those times, I feel like I've made the decision that is like less kind of typical to our American culture. And it has, it has ended up working in my favor. Yes. For some reason, I like the word calling. So we need to be in touch with that inner wisdom, as you said, to in order to know what action to take when it comes to meeting that joy or fulfilling that joy that we are seeking for. And speaking of that, so you mentioned that your company, the your fly fishing guide, and then, you know, that automatically made me think about nature. And then I, I went on your website and I saw the the pictures of the river and all that. <laughs> so what is about nature that reminds us of, of peace, of inner peace, of 
of harmony, of calm. Yeah, what is about nature? I think in my experience, there's this vastness. It's so open, you know, there's no end to it. And I think if that, if nature is a mirror, it's going to reflect that same expansiveness, which we already have inside of us. And I mean, just being outside, it makes us lighter. It, uh, the wind can have an effect. It's really about, you know, our thoughts and our mind. And I think that it's harder to have this kind of mental gymnastics going on, this kind of one thought after another when we're outside. You know, it's like when we're inside, we're in this cubicle, you know, and we're sitting at this screen and it's like, that is like the opposite. It's like, okay, mental gymnastics. It's like one thing after another. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, you know, when we're outside, I just feel like, ah, oh, okay, yeah. There's the sounds, you're listening to sounds, and that's almost like a meditation in of itself. Because if you're curious about uh, a sound and you're you're inquiring about that sound, that is um, almost like a technique, you know, like you cannot be caught up in your head if you're inquiring. The brain can only do so much at once, you know. And so if you're looking at at the horizon and you're kind of describing to yourself, okay, well, there's a boulder. Oh, that's a pine tree. Oh, there's a spruce. So automatically you are out of your head. And that almost is a meditation in and of itself. Mm. Yes, um, it's funny when you, you call it the mental gymnastics. I never thought about that. It's an interesting term. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound too good. So we're out of our head. That caught my attention. We experience everything in consciousness, right, Eric? So there's really the mind, thoughts, and all that is appears in awareness. So I think the issue here is, though the problem here is that we think about the head, the brain for some reason, as a space in which everything uh, comes from, all these thoughts, all these ideas, the memories. Um, but it's really being perceived by uh, or is being observed by awareness, in, in awareness that everything appears. So, and it's not located, it's not in the brain. But it's, um, well, that I don't want to get into the uh, the heart. What do they call it? The heart? The science. Like the yeah, science heart problem mind. of consciousness, right? Yeah, right. The science part, which scientists will say immediately that, yeah, the brain produces consciousness and not the other way around. Right. They do say that clearly. But then when you ask them to prove or to how it happens, they can't really. Right. right? They don't show us how it, it is right. done. Well, and then there's like quantum, you know, quantum physics, which is now talking about how, you know, like, what is it, the many worlds theory or whatever, where it's like, literally, human awareness is what creates all these different worlds. So, and then there, anyways, that's a whole, probably another podcast there. But um, yeah, yeah I, I feel like I kind of derailed you a little bit there. Yeah, no, that's it. It's but it caught my attention when you said, uh, you know, it's just out of our heads. Of course, we're always out of our heads. <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm thinking here. Uh, it's just that we 
because thinking, some of the processes of thinking, it kind of lights up some areas in the brain that makes us think that, you know, scientists believe that the brain's creating all that. But it, actually the whole body's being lighted up. All the cells, I feel it when I'm I have these conversations, the whole body. I feel it in my body, everywhere, my toes, everywhere. So it's not just the, in the brain, it's everywhere. I mean, obviously to me, but then of course it takes a deep experiment into ourselves. Isn't it interesting? We're just studying the practice of studying oneself. We get to know those things and for ourselves without even quoting anybody else or reading. Mm. It's so obvious. Mm. <laughs> I mean, to me now, it's so obvious that awareness is everywhere. It's, um, yeah, everything appears in awareness. Well, I, I love this because to me, there's so much like, I, this is very abstract and I've never even attempted to try and explain this, but it's like, we are what we see, right? And so our awareness is more than what we're seeing in our vision. But like when I say, oh, there's the spruce tree, there's the pine tree, like there's something you could look down at your desk right now and it's like, there's the pen, there's the speaker, there's the glasses. And it's like, when we're doing that, we are outside of our mind and that is awareness. That is pure consciousness. We, I mean, we are labeling things, which is, is man-made, but it's the process of kind of looking that to me is consciousness. That is awareness. And then that is what expands. It kind of, we're lifting this veil of the mind. We are what we see. It's like, yeah, there's so much to me about the vision component because that to me is how I realized the self is like seeing consciousness. Like when my eyes are closed, what am I seeing? It's darkness. Maybe there's like particles of light. Maybe something kind of shows up and then disappears. But, but what underlies all of those fleeting things that come in and out is pure consciousness. And so if I'm sitting here present, looking at my keyboard, there's nothing more than that, like ever. I mean, and it's not about the keyboard. It's about the awareness, which is like allowing the keyboard to, to be there. Right. right. <laughs> so right. anyways, I'm glad you kind of let me go on a little rant there because I, I think it's beautiful when we're talking about consciousness we're talking about being in our heads. We're talking about getting out of our heads. We're talking about awareness. And to me, that vision, that, that awareness, that everything I can see, to me, that is a gateway to experience and understanding of pure consciousness, like the big self. Yeah, that sounds like a, a great method, uh, a technique. I think Vedanta, they use that too, the uh, awaken reality. And then you have dream reality, and then you have the uh, deep sleep reality. But awareness, they, it's always there. It never goes away, right? Right. It never right. goes away. That's why we wake up after deep sleep, and we don't remember anything because we didn't experience anything. Awareness was there, but there was nothing to see. And then we come back, and then... And then this goes on. The really question, who, what dies? If awareness is always there, then who dies? What dies? 
And it's another obvious um, answer to me. We never die. No, we never die. You know, to me, the bigger question is, is our soul localized? Mm. To me, that's the question. You know, it's like when I die, I know, you know, if I die right now, my body, I mean, my awareness would just be here. It would be, it feels like it would blend in. Like, like when the wave crashing down into the ocean, my awareness would kind of blend in, but there's some intelligence that remains. Mm. My feeling is that the work that we do in this life on our nervous system has a memory attached to it. And that the bigger we come, the bigger we become during life, the bigger we are once we lose the body, once we kind of drop the body. That's just a total, a total theory. That would make sense because then it expands, right? When you talk about being bigger, then it's expansion that's going back to just merging with the ocean again, Mm -hmm. right? So it's, there's no limits anymore, no boundaries. It's just everywhere. But as soon as we still have this sense of um, localized self in which it's called separated self, there's this perception of the ego, as some call it, then, yeah, it makes sense also that would keep coming back in new bodies and still feeling limited because mm-hmm. it's still there. Well, and you see, you see, um, like I've seen a couple of like these like haunted shows or whatever, where there's like <laughs> ghosts <Yeah>. and, <laughs> you know, like these ghosts they say are trapped. And so obviously that soul didn't just completely merge and expand and just like it's do whatever they want. And like, maybe they do, maybe they're making a choice to be trapped, but Yeah, I think it's kind of uh, like um, independent, like uh, unique to the individual or the soul, you know? Yes, right. Uh, That's another interesting idea about making that choice. I don't know, Eric, because I think this is what we all want, right? If we ask all human beings, do you want peace? Do you want happiness, freedom? We all want that. Right, yeah. That's kind of the nature of life, right? Is Yeah, to be free. To, I mean, to be itself, it's freedom itself. Or to seek that freedom at least, you know. Yes, right. So it is really a, a byproduct or product of ignorance if, we, um, if we're still trapped in, into coming back here and uh, localizing the body and, and going through all this. I really feel that way. But then again... What do we know, right? When we think about this whole, I mean, I try to understand as much as I can and kind of put words into it. But I love also the idea of just um, just being here and kind of um, smiling <laughs> to myself. Yeah, Almost like it's, it's beautiful to be here. <laughs> I don't really want, I have no more questions. <laughs> There's mm. no nothing more to ask. It's just have fun. It's just, just the, the dance without the dancer, really. So I love that. And you, you really embody that with your joy and your kindness. And it's really special. I I think, you know, you were saying earlier that like these conversations, like every part of your body is like buzzing. And I just, I feel like (laughs) that is so beautiful, you know, like you're doing that. And it's actually, in my opinion, a service to the cosmos because you're creating coherence, you're creating joy in yourself and the entire cosmos is contained within your body, you know, on, on some level. And so 
I just, yeah, I'm, I feel like we are all getting to reap the benefits of your brilliant work. So it's pretty cool. Oh, my God. I feel the same way. If you can perceive any of that, it's because it's you're perceiving yourself, Eric. So that's beautiful to know <laughs> that <laughs> they are other human beings. So that's why something in me chooses to engage with this because it's, this, uh, it's almost like meeting another star. <laughs> oh, um, that, I love right? that. Like we're all shining here, how beautiful. Yeah, it really <laughs> feels that way. Sometimes I'm just trans, I mean, the body, mind, it, it's floating around after the conversation. I'm like, I meet my husband, I'm like, oh, I don't even know what to say. We, uh, yeah, it's a different reality. Although it's the same one, but um, it has a different flavor to it, let's say. Well, it's it's it, we're kind of inspiring each other. We're like polar polarizing each other in a certain way, and it's like there's feedback and loops and momentum being mm, created. Yeah. And it's like to me, your job in, in speaking with people, and the more we talk about this sort of thing, the more we integrate it. Yes, it has been my experience. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, I something happens at the physical level, mental physical level that I'm not even aware of it, but I feel it. Yeah, there's more joy, right? More freedom coming from these realms as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Eric, again for being open to these conversations, to this the realization of what we are. So thank you. I said that off record. I want to say that again. Thank you for being open for choosing this. If You're there's so somebody there that's choosing something, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, it's yeah. such a paradox. Uh, if there is one message, um, one insight you wish to leave anyone who listens to this episode, what would that be? Yeah, it would be human being. We're all human beings. So it's like we know the human component. We know what we're going to get by waking up, brushing our teeth, turning on the computer, going to work. Do you know that being component? Because if you don't, I highly encourage you to investigate that, explore and learn, because I think that is what we take with us when we leave here. We don't take our computers. We take (laughs) our being. (laughs) Yes, for sure. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. It's so true. I know you're also a online business consultant and you mentioned earlier being a fly fishing guide. So mm-hmm. what is the best place to find more information about you or to contact you? Yeah, Eric at Anchorfly, A-N-C-H-O-R-F-L-Y.com is my email. And um, yeah, that really is the best best place to reach me wonderful i'll have the link on your podcast profile as well thank you so much again for your presence eric and we'll talk soon bye for now thank you thank you for listening to learn more about eric carter spurio and his work please visit anchorfly.com more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.